Media buying is going to get easier. Marketing is going to get harder. Look at all what the ad platforms are doing. They're trying to make things better, more reliant on AI. They try to simplify the entire process of actually setting up a campaign. They're actually using AI tools to craft your copy and tweak the images, pull information added to your ads as well, like from the websites that you submit. You can see the behaviors of all these ad platforms. They're moving to more of a simplified way to build the campaigns and actually get them running and actually like optimizing them because they're so heavily reliant on machine learning. This is the Customer Acquisition Show, the podcast that helps you turn complete strangers into repeat customers and grow your business. Hello and welcome to the Customer Acquisition Show. I am Tom Meredith, the VP of Marketing here at Tier 11. And today I'm joined by a recurring guest, both here and on Perpetual Traffic, our head of performance, Kobe Topaz. Welcome back, Kobe. Hello, hello. Thank you. It's been a while. Yes. What have you been doing? Nothing. Working. Got a little creature that was added to my life three months ago, so that kept things busy. A human creature, right? A human creature, yes. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Last time I checked, yeah. Well, amazing. Congratulations. And then today we're really kind of talking about all things meta-related and marketing metrics, maybe going into a little bit of the future of media buying and even talking about what's working now. So like, kind of starting at the beginning with some marketing metrics stuff, give us a little brief introduction about what marketing metrics are. So the best way for me to simplify this is numbers that will tell you how well you're doing, basically. It could be, for example, your OAS, the CTR, CPC, CAC, everything in that nature, but basically numbers that will show you how good or how bad you're doing. Yeah. And those change all throughout the customer journey, right? Like you're looking for different metrics at each step of it. Can you maybe hit on some of the basic levels of that customer journey and what you're looking for at each of those? Yeah. So first of all, I would say the first thing is you need to set up the goals. What do you want to achieve from the get-go? Is it new customer acquisition? Is it video views or whatever? So once you set up the goals you want to achieve, then you know which metrics you should monitor. In terms of like which metrics you monitor for the stages, it really depends on what your campaign's objective is. So for example, let's say you're in the awareness stage, you want to get people to know the brand and actually make a purchase, but you're usually in the awareness stage, it's not that common, I would say. It's not that easy to get straight cold audience to make a purchase. Like yes, cold campaigns are generating purchases, we're doing that every single day, but it's not the main thing that happens there. So sometimes you wouldn't judge the success of an awareness campaign or cold traffic campaign only based on CPA because that cold campaign fuels everything else. So for example, in an awareness campaign, let's say that you're running, I'm not saying a brand awareness campaign on Facebook, I'm just saying you're reaching out to the awareness level of a customer that, for example, they're unaware of you, your brand, your product or anything in that nature. So for example, one of the metrics you can use to see the effectiveness of this campaign is actually the thumbs up percentage. Like how many people actually stop and watch the video that you created? For example, how many people watch the first 15 seconds? How many people actually complete the entire video? So those, for example, are metrics that you can start monitoring and see how well the video is performing. Because sometimes when you analyze the campaign, the first thing that you need to keep in mind is that obviously if it hits my main goal, but then you got to separate the metrics because there are a lot of metrics before the click and there are a lot of other metrics after the click. This video ad isn't working. Well, why isn't it working? Is it before the click issue or is it after the click issue? So that's where you start to deep dive and understand, okay, where the issue is exactly. And for example, that thumbs up percentage or completion rate could really help you understand where the issue is. 
If it's, for example, a thumbstop rate that's really low, let's say I know, like 1% or 0.5%, okay, maybe I should adjust the thumbnail or I should adjust the first three seconds of the video. If it's the completion rate, maybe something in the body of the video just isn't appealing enough. So maybe I should switch the call to action or switch like the middle of it. So by first identifying what is your key objective is, and then you know what kind of metrics you should be focusing on, then you'll be able to know okay, where the issue is. I think I gave you a long answer to a very simple question. <laughs> no, that's good. So we could hit on it. How do you figure out what the thumb stop rate is? Then you look at the number of impressions and you look at the number of people who actually viewed your video for at least three seconds. And then you divide them and then you see the, your thumb stop rate. Yeah, perfect. So that's people who it came across their feed and then they actually stop for three seconds to watch it. And if you want to get even deeper, you can do like through play rate, which is like 15 seconds. And Exactly, yep. I think this is one of the really important things that sometimes gets lost in a lot of the like, Twitter and even Facebook. It's not simple, right? It's complicated. Facebook for a long time said 15 second videos have a higher ROAS and a lower CPA across the board. Well, if we think through it, like where are the 15 second videos living in the customer journey? All the way at the end of your retargeting, like you've done all this hard work to take them from an unaware audience, cold audience, educate them, tell them about their problem, your solution. And by the time you get them with that 15 second video, after all that retargeting, and that's what actually does the job, of course, that's going to look appealing. And this is something we've dealt with a lot with clients as well. Like, oh, my retargeting is crushing. Let's spend more on retargeting. Yep. Doesn't take into consideration the whole customer journey and how there are different metrics for each of these stages. Absolutely. So we kind of dove straight deep in. I think one of the things that we should really talk about is like aligning marketing metrics with business objectives. How do we help coach customers who aren't quite there yet on identifying those? So you should ask them first, what is the main objective that they want to achieve? Is it to acquire a new customer or just increase profitability? What is the main objective they're aiming for? Sometimes they'll give you like five, but you got to focus on one. For example, we onboarded a client a couple of weeks ago, and then we asked like, what are the key metrics? What is your objective? And they gave us four different KPIs. Well, this number of reasons, you know, booked calls, sales, like, okay, that's all right. At the end of the day, what's more important to you? Acquire new customers or generate that X amount of leads every month? Okay, it's acquiring new customers. All right, cool. The reason I'm giving this example is because the number of leads, for example, if we were focusing on the number of leads, the number of booked calls, number of purchases, we will never hit KPIs. And it's not just about eating KPIs. Like the client will also feel, oh, no, we're not doing what we need to do. Everyone needs to have a crystal clear objective in mind. If it's new customer acquisition, then that's the key objective. Because, for example, the number of booked calls can fluctuate a lot based on quality. We can clickbaity copy and clickbaity videos across the ball or images. That may get a lot of clicks and unqualified leads. It's worth absolutely nothing. Whereas we can tweak the messaging across the ads, across the landing pages. It might get not 500 leads a month, but might get you 200 leads a month. The quality of those leads is going to be significantly higher than the other ones. That's going to reduce your, the time that is spent with your sales reps. That's going to increase the close rate, and that's going to also increase the number of customers you acquire every month. So I would say the first thing is to get crystal clear on the number one thing that's the top priority, and from there you reverse engineer everything else. Yeah, growth or profitability, you can't do two at the same time. Like When you're trying to grow and get more a lot more leads, the more leads you get, the more expensive they become because Facebook's become really good at getting you those low-hanging fruit at a really great price, but the more it has to spread out the more expensive it gets versus if you want to focus on profitability, then that's a whole different way of looking at the customer journey. Exactly. Yep. All right. So now we've talked a little bit about like aligning with the business goals. How do we make sure that we are actually tracking things? 
Oh, that's a good question, Thomas. We've got a pretty big transformation recently with onboarding clients and being very specific in this phase and like saying, we aren't going to do other stuff until we do this. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have tracking sorted out completely, you're just walking blind. And we see that across the board like with a lot of customers that come to us, like, I don't know my numbers, or I don't know this, I don't know that. And the other agent didn't give me data on that. So it's like, why are you spending the money then? Like, you're just walking blind. In terms of like how to track that data, the first thing, the basic thing will be actually to place the damn pixels where they need to be. And you'll notice that a lot of people aren't doing that. They just go through like wonky stuff, like custom conversions and all that stuff. Custom conversion is great, but it's like sometimes they can get messy. So like that's the old way tends to be the most accurate. First of all, place the goddamn pixels, but then there are other tools that you can use. For example, like high also wicked reports that provide you further visibility on everything. And that's really helpful to see the entire customer journey and see everything. It all comes down to like which channels produce the highest number of customers or which region has the highest number of customers or higher AV. And actually, how's the LTV growing month over month? You can actually see that, for example, in Wikid Reports. So these tools, I would say, are great. Yeah. Number one rule is get the damn pixels installed. And I would say, even if you think you might advertise on some platform someday, install the pixel now. All that data starts to go back to their algorithms and starts to train it and find notes so that they know the right audience for you when you do start to spend money there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the golden tip. Yeah. Like every ad platform, just place it to create a pixel, place it, set up the conversions and just leave it there. So that's the base level of just getting all the pixels on. The next step is to make sure that you can optimize for the event that's best for your business. And sometimes that is an offline conversion. How much do you think about offline conversions? Oh, offline conversions is a love and hate story, but they're super important. They're really useful for Legion, especially when it's call funnels, where you don't really, I would say, care about the lead, but you actually want to generate calls. So what will end up happening is that with offline conversions, you can actually train the AI to get you those qualified leads. So for example, you can fire an event that says, for example, to Google, hey, hey, Google, hey, buddy, this is a qualified lead. And then as that event gets more and more data, you can actually train the system to optimize for that specific event. And that will improve your campaign's performance as well. So yeah, offline conversions, I would say it's not the easiest thing to set up, but it's super valuable. Yeah, these ad platforms are pretty easy to advertise on. So you and your competitors are basically on a level playing field. But those that have good offline conversions set up, I think are the ones that are going to stand ahead of their competition because they're actually training the different ad platforms for what they want, not just an earlier step in the funnel. Yep, absolutely. All right, so going back to some of the key metrics, we quickly got into some of them. What would you say are like the main metrics to be looking at for maybe not so much the actual person within the ads, but maybe like a marketing executive, marketing director, something that they can see from a higher level what their advertising and marketing is doing? I would say for that specific person, I would say, for example, CAC would be the first thing. And then month over month, week over week, year over year growth would be the metrics I would focus on. At this level, for example, like that executive person, they shouldn't really care about CTR, CPC, all that stuff. They should really care about, okay, are we hitting the CAC target? Are we growing? If not, like week over week, maybe there are some slow weeks, but overall, are we growing month over month, year over year? Those are the primary things I would suggest focusing on. CAC being customer acquisition cost. Right? Yeah, new customer acquisition cost, yep. 
How much do we focus on marketing efficiency ratio? So MER is an interesting metric because MER can be heavily influenced by your retargeting campaigns, by your existing customers. A lot of customers, they want that certain profitability target. They, okay, yeah, 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 we want to acquire new customers, but like this is kind of the main profitability target we should aim for in order to get the business running and everything. So we have customers where we optimize based on MER, but the customers that really want to grow like each and every month, and they're primarily focusing on CAC because they know what is their maximum CAC, how much they're absolutely willing to spend to acquire a new customer. And then because of all the numbers they have, they know where to back it up and where they make the profit. So if you're really focusing on customer acquisition growing by acquiring new customers, I would say CAC is king. MER, as I say, we had clients where we onboarded and they're like, you know, the other industry got me 6x MER, but it's like, yeah, but it's like 90% of it was on your existing customers. So you won't really grow in your business. And it's like, it's going to end up to a point where you're just going to burn money because you're going to hit your existing customers so hard. It's just like, they're not going to keep buying. So MER is a tricky metric. All right. So say we're going to level down from like that marketing director to the people who are hands-on tools. What are some of the key metrics there? We have this thumb stop ratio for like the awareness level. Are people engaging with my ad? Like, what are some of the other things we should be looking at? So when it comes to before the click, the first thing that you should be looking for is obviously the CTR and CPC. That's the, the first two. And then also CPM to see what's kind of going on on the background with all the other advertising, whether it fluctuates, the CPM goes up and down. So those are the metrics before the click and also the thumb stop rate and everything. When it comes to after the click, you should be really looking at AOV, conversion rates. Depend If you're driving, for example, for lead magnet, okay, so then what is the conversion rate there between link click to landing page view? Another metric that a lot of people are missing, sorry, link click to lead, but what I said, link click to landing page view, that's what a lot of people are missing. Because there are a lot of pages, and even when we audit clients before we take them on, we see a big issue with the, the load speed of the pages. So you end up paying a lot of money to get people to actually click on the link and go to your website, but then like 50% of them or sometimes up to 70% of them don't even get to the landing page. It's like the dynamic duo with CTR. CTR tells you how good the ad does at getting somebody to click and link click to landing page view is how quickly it loads so they don't leave. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes it, just by tweaking the load speed, you can see immediate improvement in performance because why would you pay to only get 30% of your people to actually land on the website? So landing page, link click to landing page view is super important. Link click to lead or link click to purchase or check out to purchase, stuff like that, depending on your funnel. Those are the metrics that you really need to break down and see, okay, where the issue is and what can be improved further. AOV as well, if you're doing income. Getting a little bit outside of the advertising aspect of it, how much do we focus on the lifetime value or lifetime value over a certain period of time? It's super important specifically for clients who are really focusing on CAC, new customer acquisition, because, okay, I know that my lifetime value is this, and then I know that my cogs are that, refunds overhead, so that's my CAC. So that's really useful when you're focusing on CAC as well. But also looking at the bigger picture across the board, you'll always want to improve the lifetime value of your customers. So by knowing, okay, my lifetime value is X, and I know that if I get it by even 20%, that's going to have massive impact on my revenue as well. So, okay, what can I do to improve the lifetime value of my customers? Can I give more discounts, referral program? Can I produce other offers? Can I do rev share deals with other companies? Stuff like that. Having that visibility can really help you not just, okay, how much I can spend on acquiring customers, but also, okay, you acquire the customer. Now, how can you maximize their value? Yeah. Moving on to another topic. That is very controversial. Multi-touch attribution models. What do you know about that? Oh, nothing. 
Does anybody know anything about it? I would say that the approach of measuring channel specific is long gone. Because think about this, like previously what we were used to is like, okay, you see an ad on Facebook, then you click on the landing page, then you buy, right? Or in Google. But right now, since the market overall become much more sophisticated, there's much more supply out there of different brands that are offering similar products and everything like that, that people need to have multiple touch points across different platforms. Like sometimes I might see an ad on YouTube and then I might Google you and then see your homepage, and then I might see an ad on Facebook, and then I click, I won't buy, I might sign up for your email address, and then I might buy three months down the road. So that entire customer journey where previously we were used, it goes one, two, three. Now it goes like that. There are a lot of people where they measure the effectiveness of a platform by like specific platform. And you'll end up noticing that there are Facebook, for example, can be really great at driving the awareness and getting the people to be aware of your brand. But maybe Google is really great at closing the sale. So by having that visibility, you know, okay, Facebook isn't that strong in customer acquisition. It could be like depending on the nature of the business, especially with a high-end product. So you know that for Facebook, okay, let's focus on content and ads that will get more people to my website, educate them, pre-frame them, give them as much value as I can and pre-frame them before they think about making the decision to buy. And when you're measuring the channels like that, then you're looking at everything differently because if For example, if Facebook is really great at driving people to the website and Google is really great at closing them, then if you cut down Facebook based on CPA only, then nothing is going to be fed to Google. So you're kind of like cutting your tiles. So you got to look at everything holistically and start seeing which channels are really great at getting people to my website, which channels are really great at converting them to a sale or a lead or whatever. And then that's how you start measuring those channels specifically. Yeah, I have a strong opinion that attribution has never been accurate and it never will be accurate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Spot on. I think the best thing to do is like you were saying, just attribution is guidance. They're all going to claim their role in the sale, but it's your job as the marketer to know the function of each of these platforms within your customer journey. Exactly. You got to learn the behaviors that each platform leads to. There's a concept out there right now like called dark social. It's more in like the B2B marketing space where it's basically social media and your blogs don't really ever get credit for attribution. But those are the things that these people on these longer buying cycles end up consuming over and over and over again. And you can't quantify that in any way. And at least in a forum when they're filling it out, saying how they found you, it's like, well, Google, because they Googled you just to get your name at the end. And it's really important that you just be everywhere all the time, all at once, and make sure that you're adjusting your budgets accordingly based off of how it is serving your customer journey. At the end of the day, for example, if you have an issue with blood pressure or whatever, there's like a zillion of companies out there could offer you a solution. Each one of them will say, we're the best to all of our, we have studies backed by science, we have testimonials, everyone are going to say the same thing. Sure, some might be better than the other ones, absolutely. But it's like at the end of the day, most customers, they tend to connect to the ones that educate them, overcome their objections, help them see a brighter future. And you can do all of those things for content, which a lot of people like disregard. So content is absolutely king. And also content can help you get potential customers' fists down. So even if you're running ads on Google or Facebook, for example, you send people directly to a blog post, but in that blog post, educate them and then lead them to the next step, whether it's going to be a product page or become a lead or whatever, but like educate them, but then lead them to the next step. And even when you put on the ads, like on the headline itself, whether it's Facebook or Google, you're going to put an actual blog post, immediately you're going to look different than the other ones. Because all the other ones are like, oh, the best supplement or 100% money back guarantee or like uh, increase your uh, stamina by this or whatever, all those claims. I'm not disrespecting them, but it's like if 
all of them are doing the same thing. You got to think the opposite. Yeah. I think those realizations really leading a lot of companies be or just the industry in general to have a lot more healthy marketing within their companies where they aren't so reliant on these direct response ads. It's part of this whole messaging ecosystem that drives long-term growth and isn't so up and down based off of how much your CPM is right now. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts on marketing metrics before we get into the fun topics? No, nothing. This wasn't a fun topic, marketing uh, metrics, uh, Tom. Of course, it's fun. It's more fun. The future of media buying. Ooh. You don't have your like crystal ball out, but what's the future of media buying here? The future of media buying. Well, I set up my podcast last week. Media buying is going to get easier. Marketing is going to get harder. Look at all what the ad platforms are doing. They're trying to make things better, more reliant on AI. They try to simplify the entire process of actually setting up a campaign. They're actually using AI tools to craft your copy and tweak the images, pull information added to your ads as well, like from the websites that you submit. You can see the behaviors of all these ad platforms. They're moving to more of a simplified way to build the campaigns and actually get them running and actually like optimizing them because they're so heavily reliant on machine learning. And it's not just like they're reliant on the data that there is on your ad account. They're also reliant on the data that they have from all the other advertisers in their platform. Within a couple of years, it's going to get significantly easier. And right now, if media buyers are spending a lot of time just setting up stuff, monitoring, I don't know, maybe in a year or two, it's just going to be significantly simpler. You already have a lot of tools that provide automated rules. So that takes a big portion of your time, like actually optimizing stuff, like killing stuff off. It doesn't the time of actually learning and gathering insights, but it's more like the technical work of, okay, this ad isn't within KPIs, I'll shut it down. There are tools that are going to do that. You can see that everything like from the ad platforms is getting significantly easier. And you can see another behavior that is being forced by all the social platforms is creativity and like these short videos. And you can see that the attention span of the audience is getting shorter and shorter because TikTok is instant gratification, right? Like, oh, I don't like this video. Bye, bye, boom, boom. Oh, I like this one. 10, 15 seconds. So that's where all the behaviors is, is shifting to. And like even my little sister, like if she starts watching a show and it does not interest her within a couple of minutes, like she's out. I don't know if you've seen that show Breaking Bad. Everyone I've spoken to said, you got to go for the first season. That's kind of like the biggest roadblock. You got to go for the first season, then it's like, oh, you're hooked. I know my sister wouldn't do that. It gets even worse with the entire generation. And I sound like a 60 years old. But it's like, it, it gets worse. And, but you should adapt your campaigns to that behavior because that's what's going to happen. How does all of this like Advantage Plus, Performance Max, and you know, whatever else the machine learning of these platforms how does that affect the job of media buyers? Do those jobs still exist? So I would say, and maybe that's a bit harsh, but it's like, if you're a media buyer and you're very, very technical, you're not going to have a job. Media buyers should be creative. So I'm not saying that a media buyer, like you should be turned to a creative strategist, but you should have a creative strategy knowledge. You should be able to come up and brainstorm different hopes, different angles that you want to test, like different ideas. You should be more creative rather than okay, I'm just going to set up campaigns, I'm going to optimize them, kill stuff. No, that's going to be less of your day-to-day -day stuff in the upcoming years. So if you're really, really technical, that's kind of how the box you put yourself in, you're not going to have a job. Or like you're going to become less valuable than a media buyer who also have creative strategy knowledge. Someone that can come to the table with, okay, guys, you know, this is the target audience. These are the type of videos I want to run. Here are a couple of ideas for hooks I'd like to test. So that person is going to be much more valuable than that technical media buyer. 
Yeah, I mean, you can see it even right now, like two years ago, four years ago, like you could get away on Facebook with those tactics of like bit cost cap consolidation or separating audiences and like split testing all of them like one by one, like all that stuff. You could get away with that. Right now, those are not the things that will explode your account in a good way. It's more so the creativity. Okay, which angles should we try? How do we position the offer? What are the objections we're going to overcome with this ad? What is the hook that we're aiming for on this ad? Those are the stuff that are going to drive the performance. If I could summarize this, like one creative can explode your account, whereas one campaign with a bit cap or a cost cap or target cost or whatever, not really. Yeah, we're seeing this internally as well. When we're talking about how we're communicating our services of we're separating out like media buying versus media buying strategy. And I think this is right along the lines of what you're talking about. If you're like a tactical media buyer, now's the time to start thinking like a strategic media buyer and how you can, as the media buying expert on your team, provide the strategy that's going to help drive the business forward. And that includes creatives that you see or have ideas on. Maybe it's spend across channels or various things, but it's not getting in there and pushing little buttons and pulling little levers. Yep, absolutely. What else is the future of media buying? As I said, media buying is going to get easier. It's just marketing is going to get harder. So the more you practice that muscle of becoming like thinking more strategically and be more creative, the better you're going to be in the long run. So it is what it is. Media buying itself is a very tactical and technical box. And sometimes for people, it's hard to get away from it. But once you start practicing it, start brainstorming different ideas, then the muscle will become more and more stronger. And you're going to have a much easier job. Since you have the crystal ball out, what's the future of ad copywriters and creatives look like? All copywriters are going to be doomed and dead within six months from now. Yes, I said it. No, I'm kidding. The biggest thing is if you're not going to embrace the AI, you're going to lose to the AI. It is what it is. Don't think you're smarter than the AI. Yeah, maybe right now, but within a couple of years, you might be, but it's like you're better off embracing it and using it in your favor, learn how to work with it rather than, no, the AI is not going to replace me. I'm the best of the best. I know what I'm doing. The AI cannot replace me. It can. I know. It feels right. Like right now, if you're using the AI to write your copy, it feels like cheating a little bit. Who didn't cheat? Didn't you cheat at school? Didn't you cheat when you played Grand Theft Auto? Like, come on, cheating is fun. It's part of the game. Look for all the advantages. It might feel like cheating now, but if you learn how to use it as a tool and and as the copywriter, the expert in this area, you more than anybody else is going to know what's good copy and what's bad copy. And you can guide your ChatGPT copywriter to do good copy and to 10x your output. So there's a huge opportunity for copywriters and creatives as well. Like, go from being a high level to like a 10x copywriter where they can deliver really good copy for a lot of people faster, which then will increase the overall marketing efficiency. Yeah, absolutely. The more you train the AI also to think like you, the better it will serve you as well. If there's a certain way you approach and identify like pain points or benefits or whatever, like you can train the AI to think like you, it will serve you at the end of the day. Uh, How about for creatives? What's the uh, future for creatives? So this, I don't know, I just saw a video on, whether it was on Instagram or TikTok, where someone like hold their laptop and they said a day of a life of a designer or something like that. And they opened up Photoshop and they wrote a tigress that eats pizza. And then the AI spit the image and then they just closed the computer. So I don't know what's going to happen with this. I don't know. But again, like the main thing is just embrace it. And it is what it is. Yeah. I think any creative should be using Photoshop's generative fill 
especially if you're working with a lot of product photos, putting those products in different scenarios or changing the people who are holding your product. That's a really easy way to test different avatars. People want to see people like them experiencing your product. And using tools like that really significantly reduces the cost of getting that kind of content out. Because normally you'd have to go schedule a shoot and all that to get these different actors really to be holding your product and using your product. I think for creative strategists, similar to copywriters, like using the AI, like ChatGPT as your research partner and your creative partner, really diving into what the avatar wants to hear and then crafting, I mean, different ideas, but also different scripts for each of those. It's pretty powerful in that way. Yep. 100%. I would say like I'm all for AI and getting machines to do the job for us and make our lives easier. On a personal note, the only thing I'm against in that area is that, I don't know if it's stored in the US, probably it is, but like in Israel, you have a lot of machines that do everything pretty much you want in the supermarkets. So it's, they're technically replacing the people who are sitting in their cash. And that's the biggest thing that for me is hard to see because those people that sit there that work on the, in these positions are like the weakest areas of our population, the immigrants or like the single mom. So I would say that I'm all for AI and stuff, but this particular part, that's what is painful for me to see. I agree. I, I see that as well. And it's not even AI here. We have like self-checkout, which takes away you know, all those jobs. And I think there's always going to be this drive for efficiency and productivity gains. And those that aren't able to embrace it kind of suffer quite a bit. Yep. Yep. You even have like cars where you just take the product, just swamp it, swap it, and that's it. You don't even have to go to the cash register. Even here, we have machines that are replacing delivery drivers. My wife works at UCLA, and they have these little robots that take your food from Chick-fil-A or whatever and drive it to your office, and there's no drivers involved. Right, yeah. That's the painful thing to see with this moving towards machines and automation as much as possible. All right, last fun subject, the one you're always most passionate about. What's working now in meta ads? Oh, uh, any ads, but what's working now? Something that came top of my mind is for two of our clients, before and after images are absolutely like killing it. I know I've said it multiple times, but it's like we just can't seem to beat those before and after videos and images. On one of them, we're showing a horrible looking lawn versus one that looks green, the lawn you're, you're dreaming of. We just cannot seem to outperform these ads. The other ones, which are interesting, is that they show like the before and after of the customers. So... They're working with VPs, directors, and executives, and they're helping them land their dream job. Like They're helping them get a job that they are feeling fulfilled, but also they're actually making the money that they feel that they should be making. So there's actually like a split screen. And then on one side, you can see like the image in a dark, white background, and our face is like all sad. And then you can see like a headline that says how much she makes right now. But then on the other side of the screen, and this is like the same image, they show the after state. Happy, like happy colors on the background, like she's smiling. And then you can see a significantly different amount of monthly income that she generates. But then also you can see at the top of it, like with X, like with the plants, the brand's name. So they clearly show you like the potential customers, like, hey, this is where you're at right now, but this is where you could be with working with us. Another thing that's working really well is having a lot of text in your images, actually. A couple of years ago, Facebook had that limitation with 20% text on your ad. You cannot go above that. They removed it because they realized it's stupid. So a lot of people... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The designer, that was horrible. Yeah. 
So what's been crushing it for one of our accounts for a couple of months now is they just took the big portion of text and just added it to the image. And the text isn't just not valuable. It's like actually a bit of educational content. So they use curiosity at the beginning. What happens if you do this, for example? And then you actually put one paragraph that actually tells you what happens. Then also give you a call to action. There's a lot of pre-framing that actually happens in the image itself in addition to the ad copy. So that's something that has spoken really well. And then... That's all that comes to mind right now, I think. Probably once we finish this call, then I'll have another three things that came to mind immediately after we shut down this call. Amazing. Perfect. Anything like dynamic creative or things that rely on Facebook to optimize your stuff? Dynamic creative has been an interesting recently. I would say that it's been working on a couple of accounts. On a couple of ones, it's just not. I don't think it's much of the feature. It's how you're using the feature. If you're going to put a lot of assets there, it's not going to work. Don't overcomplicate it. Try to really isolate one image, five different copy variations, and let the machine do the work. That's pretty much it on DCO. How about Advantage Plus? How's that coming on for us? We are testing it on one account. There are two accounts in the pipeline for giving it a go as well. So for one of the accounts, it's performing well. It's relying on the existing customers as well. So that fluctuates the data a bit. But I would say that overall, the Advantage Plus is at this point works better than compared to their business as usual campaign. So far, so good. Is that one lawn care before and after the same one that's been running for four years? I don't know. I should check, but we definitely expanded on that. The carousel that you're referring to has been crushing it. We just expanded on that concept significantly. Before and afters have always worked. It's always a matter of how well can you do it while skirting a Facebook ad policy. Yep. Yeah, definitely be cautious if you're in the weight loss space. Hammer will come down. Yep, pretty quick. Cool. Well, Kobe, thank you very much for hopping on today. Hope we can have you on more often. These are always fun conversations. Thanks for predicting the future. We'll hold you to it. Thank you. If you found this episode helpful, please like and subscribe and share it with your coworkers. And if you are looking for some help with your marketing metrics, getting offline conversions set up or anything with your digital marketing, head over to tier11.com and hit the big pink button. We'd love to chat with you. Kobe, thank you very much. And we'll see you guys later. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Customer Acquisition Show. Take the next step toward growing your customer base. Visit tier11.com and request your customized growth plan. And remember to hit the follow button so you can be notified of future episodes.